chasing passion is trying to make a living out of something that you just love to do anyway. So, you know, in my case, I suppose it's relationships and, and networking and, and beauty. But I think in other people's cases, it might be, you know, architecture or music or, um, you know, and, and with the Internet, there's just endless possibilities to how you can make money out of your passion you know even video editing and things like that so um yeah I think chasing passion is just making being able to make a living out of out of loving what you do welcome to the chasing passion podcast my name is Dom and I'm your host each week I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it. thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin This week, I sit down with Stephanie O'Quigley. She's currently working as a beauty publicist in New York City. On top of that, she's a multi-award winning blogger and podcast host of The Wall Podcast. She started off her career by working with Coco Brown and has been living and working in New York for the past three years. You can find her on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and of course, her website, stephanieoquigley.com. In this episode, we talk about early childhood, how she actually got started in her career, what does a beauty publicist actually do, along with the lessons she has learned throughout her career. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and without further ado, let's jump right in. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It feels so weird to be on this side of the the interviewing process. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Of course, yeah, because you have your own podcast, The Wall. Um, so I guess the first question I want to ask you is who you are and just to provide some background behind what do you do and what are you all about? Yeah, so um, my name is Stephanie O'Quigley and um, I'm a beauty publicist based here in New York City. Um, prior to that, I worked for Coco Brown Tan um, some Female listeners might know a little bit about that brand uh, for about four years um, as a marketing manager. Um, and I've also been blogging and influencing um, on social media and through my blog on the side as well through the last seven years. And then I also launched my own podcast last year um, as well. So doing loads of different things. <laughs> awesome. And I'll definitely get into that. But before we do, I really want to get some context behind like what was your childhood like? What were you kind of interested in? So I guess, um, what were you interested in as a child? Like, what what was your childhood like? Um, my childhood was extremely idyllic. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have amazing parents, uh, stable family who are all still together. We haven't killed each other yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I kind of, I was the middle between two boys. So um, who were kind of both a little bit more academically um intelligent than I was and um I was pretty much I was the only girl but I was also in the middle and um wasn't really into the books and into school I I definitely did apply myself but I didn't um it took me a long a long time and a lot of studying to actually get good grades or get good points in my leave and cert day so I felt like I suppose I got a little bit lost in that because obviously you want to be like your older brother you want to fit into the family so um I kind of felt a little bit out of sorts there but um I I always was super super ambitious so my father is um a a businessman entrepreneur he has kind of always been a career man and um my mom is a psychotherapist 
So I kind of had the balance of like business and brains um, uh, there as parents. So I suppose I kind of saw him. I saw a lot of my family members doing the entrepreneurial stuff. And um, not that I'm an entrepreneur, but I kind of never felt scared or limited in, in terms of being kind of independent and creative and being able to do your own thing. So I definitely felt like they taught me how to kind of be kind of take my own make my own path and and take my own road um in that sense so definitely definitely got a lot of it from from them for sure mm. yeah that's super interesting actually and like what kind of things were you interested in like naturally like what would what did you gravitate you said you weren't um like was it business that you were interested in like was it like well you're obviously a beauty publicist now but like what things did you show an interest to towards when you were a child Oh, I have to say, I actually am a huge music lover. Music. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the performing arts, I was in dancing and singing. I did, I put a lot of my time into singing. Um, I tried everything from ballet, horse riding, Gaelic football, uh, painting, crafts, everything. But the only thing that I really have always loved is is music and singing. And that's kind of, I used to sing myself to sleep. I used to sing in the car, everything. So that was always my my go-to kind of creative outlet and uh, actor thing, but I didn't get through enough rounds of interviews or of auditions for that one. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I suppose that was kind of leaning more towards the creative side than um, than anything else. So um, I got to explore some, some of my creativity in that way and, and kind of felt like, you know, I don't have to do... I don't have to be a teacher. I don't have to be a doctor. I don't have to um, do something that the leaving the leaving point the points on the leaving cert or the C C A O kind of instructs you to. It's kind of very limited, and I suppose that music and being able to do auditions and uh, training in music was was kind of give me the liberty to think outside the box. And yeah, there was definitely a lot of not arguments I won't say about the about the leave insert but kind of pushbacks on what I should and shouldn't do with the leave insert and I just had no interest in in really going to college I did go to college but I didn't really have much of an interest mm. and what did you study in college I actually I studied advertising and marketing communications at IT Tala in Dublin okay. and the points for that course at the time were 250 so really low points in 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 the grand scheme of things um, I got much higher points than my leave insert, but because the course was event management, radio production, TV production, uh, PR, um, loads of different things, marketing communications, um, I kind of felt like it would give me a good grasp on the media industry and kind of help me decide what I wanted to do. And it was four years long, so I definitely felt like it was buying myself a little bit of time in that in that point in my life where I was very kind of confused and, and indecisive. So. Mm. And then you, what, am I correct in saying that you went on to work with uh, Coco Brown? Uh, it's Melissa, isn't it? Uh, no, Marissa, yeah. And how did you get involved with that? So um, in 2012, um, I launched my blog. I believe it was my second last year in college. And the blog was called snappedup.ie. And basically, it was just a blog, um, beauty, fashion, anything in between. I just, I always dreamed to kind of, making a magazine or producing something so that was kind of the closest thing that I could get my hands on and so you know there was such an industry around blogging Suzanne Jackson was a huge player in that and she was one person who had kind of really made it in terms of beauty reviews and she was doing roundups on fashion and every kind of everybody wanted a piece of the pie so 
I launched that blog and um, I started getting, you know, traction from other uh, brands and companies and they were sending me their products to review. And Marissa, who's the founder of Coco Brown Tan, sent me her tan to review. And of course, I tried it. I thought it was, you know, the best thing ever. I did a review on my blog, a very fair review, like none of it was paid at the time. It was all just gifted product. Mm. And um, to launch her second product a couple of months later, because I had done the review, she asked me to come to lunch in the Shelburne Hotel in Dublin uh, to meet her and to launch her second uh, product as well. So that was our first our first ever meeting together. Oh, nice. So the blog actually really paid off. And it did, what, yeah. What made you start your blog in the first place? Um, did you always want to do it or did someone inspire you to do it? Like what kind of happened there? Um, I think when I was so into like music and the media industry when I was younger, I used to like read a lot of magazines. Um, obviously, we didn't have the internet back then. So I was mm. reading magazines and I would take cut out pieces of pictures and clip them and stick them all together in a scrapbook to kind of almost make my own magazine or, you know, make collages and things like that. So I think the blog was like my kind of my older, the old, my older self version of, of doing that same thing. I was able to create content. I was able to create kind of a magazine style piece of content that people were able to read and interact with. And mm. I've always loved writing. I've always been and writing and English was the only subject that I kind of really enjoyed. So um, it, it, I suppose it was an outlet for that. And how much time did you spend initially in the blog? Because I could imagine it's like very like a time-consuming venture to start yeah. a blog and just you know start producing content. It's a bit scary maybe initially as well because you're putting your thoughts out there. Like, what was the whole process like? Um, yeah, I remember coming in the first day after I launched it into college, and I was like, "Oh my god, everyone's going to like <laughs> think that I'm like who does she think she is?" kind of thing, like real Irish mentality um but yeah I put in a couple of hours every week um similar to similarly to what I'm doing now um in terms of um content production but just writing a lot and I would still say the it takes about three hours to write a uh, to write a blog post in terms of like photos editing writing and being able to publish it like it still is very very time consuming so um it took up a lot of my time but I was I was never a big drinker or party or anything like that so I definitely enjoyed putting it together and it, especially since I got started to get attention from beauty brands um I was it was kind of driving me on further to to really create something mm. and you have a podcast called The Wall and as far as I know it's uh, it's about um people who overcame these walls or challenges that it, that it had in the past or whatever I'm curious to know, what were those walls for you? What did you overcome? What challenges have you overcome to get to where you are now? I think the fact that I never thought that I could do anything um, is a huge part of my kind of, that has set me back or that has kind of pulled me backwards. Going back to when I was in school, it took me such um, like a, a big, big effort to even do well. And then when I launched the blog, there was players in the industry that were so much bigger than I was. And I was never really the bigger popular one. And I just grafted and grafted and grafted. And it was always uh, kind of, I just didn't think the person, the little girl who was putting together the scrapbooks, cutting out those magazines when I was a kid, like I just never thought that I could kind of, that I would be the one 
to be able to actually do it as a career or to actually pursue it and for people to come to me and say you know how did you do a kind of thing I just I think I suppose the lack of confidence um and there and now I'm kind of at the point where I try and tell myself you know why not me why not me and I'm a big believer in kind of once you have the confidence to do something no matter who you are where you come from that um you can if you're willing to put in the graft like you can definitely make something of it um so that would be a huge huge setback for me yeah 100 percent with the confidence i feel like like you can you can literally become an expert in anything you want to do like if there's mm-hmm. a job or whatever you want to get you can literally just dedicate well a lot of time into it but like you can yeah you can become great at whatever you choose to do so i think that's really amazing and what made you choose uh why did you move to new york city um i think because I've always wanted to move to the US, um, specifically New York, but I was just always obsessed with America. Um, and I keep going back to it, but when you're watching movies on the TV, you're reading magazines, you're listening to music, these are all American artists, they're all American movies set in New York, set in LA. You know, they're all, everything is bigger in America than it is in Ireland. And just as I kind of grew up in the industry then, I kind of launched my career with Marissa and was very much um in the depths of of media in Ireland that I kind of was thinking you know if if I leave this job where is there where is there to go at the at that time we were the fastest selling fake tan in the whole entire world and I kind of said in Ireland like I love I love my job I love what I do but I I need to keep pushing myself but in Ireland I didn't know where to push at that point, you're like kind of at the top of what you do and there was nowhere really else to go. So um, that kind of helped, you know, put it into perspective, say, well, you kind of you have to give New York a go. You have to give the US a go. And it, it's always been in the back of your mind. It's always been something that you've dreamed of. And it makes sense right now, career wise, to make that bigger move and to to make that jump. So it was kind of accumulation of those little things coming together and like by no means was I saying yeah gonna kill New York gonna you know this is the 100% right decision for me I didn't know that like I the only reason that I I eventually made the decision to come was you know me and my parents we talked about it we went around in circles and circles and circles because I had so much going for me in Ireland that I loved but my mom was like you just have to do it The, the only answer is that you have to do it and you have to either succeed or fail at it and then you'll get it out of your system and you'll either stay there or you'll come back but she was like either way you have to just do it mm. so that was kind of I kind of had nowhere to go I was like she's right <laughs> I have to just go and uh and here I am <laughs> three years three and a half years later <laughs> oh that's great and like what would you say the biggest kind of difference between New York and Dublin because like you said like you, when you watch all these movies or listen to music it's all about America like everything is all the action has happened there and like what would you say are the biggest kind of differences between New York and Dublin in terms of opportunities the people you meet and so on um New York itself like I do live in America technically but New York itself is a whole world by itself and it's actually much smaller than people think and everybody comes to New York they're all after something the t- people in the top of their field are all coming to New York or they're all in New York. And that makes for a like really, really competitive market. And so your, your kind of struggle, your competitiveness comes out. 
you're the the it's very brutal it's very cutthroat and it's a very very tough industry something so I think in Ireland people are settled down a lot of their families are there people don't come to Ireland to necessarily succeed in their career you know you're you're there because that's where you're born your family are and you kind of you're taking it slower life is slower things are more dispersed out out, out around the country and there's not a lot of kind of spotlight on Ireland whereas in New York there's a lot of spotlight here and there's a lot of people here and that just makes for like a, such an intense environment that you're trying to consume every day so it's kind of that mentality of like if you don't do the job right somebody else will do it so every uh, employment here is at will which means that they can fire you tomorrow and you can also quit tomorrow there's no contract it's basically you're just living you're working on your toes all the time to prove yourself and to prove that you're worth it and it's it's that's very tiring <laughs> so if you really want to grow your career you're saying new york is a great place to do it yeah because you learn how to be nimble you learn how to be tough and you learn your value very very quickly because you could be good at something that you might have even known and you'll have to bring that out or you could be not as good as something that you thought you were and people will shut you down very very quickly so it brings everything to the surface and there's no hiding and there's no pretending because people are not afraid to you know cut you off or or tell you that you're wrong so it's it's a very good place for character building but also you know career opportunities obviously as well and let's just say to someone listening to this podcast right now and they want to go to new york uh, what advice would you give them what are the three kind of lessons or piece of advice would you give to that person who wants to move to new york and just step up in their career game yeah um number one to work like a dog you have to be willing to work yourself beyond belief um, you will not survive here if you don't have that mentality um, and to have that mentality you have to want it um, you have to learn how that New York isn't a place that you can stay for a long period of time um, you in order to kind of like the money that you will earn over here is very very high but the cost of living is also extremely high so it doesn't really make sense financially unless you're maybe living with a partner or something like that as a person who's single, it's very hard to kind of get on your feet and and even bank any of the money that you're earning. So I kind of would say think about it more as a character building thing and a career thing as opposed to necessarily making cash, banking it and then coming home. It's kind of very hard to get to that level um, and it really depends on your circumstances. Um, so even if you see money coming in, money going out, Um, and then I suppose number three might be um, you have to be very, very open and um, kind of an extroverted person to make friends and to kind of take chances and go to events and, and build your life and, and, and connect with people like, you know, cold messaging on Instagram, you know, hey, I'd love to grab a coffee or hey, like I'm going to walk into this event and, and try and connect with people in my industry. And you have to be open and, and be understanding of, like the fact that you know you have to build community and network is is kind of can be tough from to build that from scratch so that's been a big learning learning portion for me as well yeah that's super interesting on the on the third point you made with networking and stuff because um, my friend was actually he went over to new york to try and build a business 
and initially you knew zero people there and he was like okay what the hell am i doing here but then eventually he just started networking and so on and he said he didn't sleep at all he just well slept a few hours but like everything was just go 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 so like that was the yeah. part of new york just go 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 network you know grab coffees with people i think that's kind of like really really hustle life <laughs> if you if you know what i mean but um yeah it's interesting what advice would you give to an 18 year old self so let's just say you could rewind time and what advice would you give to an 18 year old self um <laughs> i would say it's got nothing to do with talent got nothing to do with who you, where you're from it's got nothing to do with where you are in the world but it's got everything success has got everything to do with how brave you are and how how willing you are to work hard so for my 18 year old self everything that she wanted was being brave and working hard and it wasn't doesn't have anything there's nothing else that has been played a role in that Mm, okay and your career is basically a beauty publicist now what what does a beauty publicist do um so basically i get publicity for beauty brands um so if you're launching a new lipstick if you're launching a skincare product a shampoo a conditioner and or you're already on the market and you need to sell the product so the products are in boots or they're in sephora or they're in ulta and you need to sell the products or you're selling online directly on your website what i do as a beauty publicist is i get the products into the hands most influential so the editor of cosmo magazine the editor of marie claire or vogue or anything like that and then beyond that there's a lot of digital um outlets as well um and influencers and models radio presenters um and 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 everything in between and so what we do is we we have all those relationships so we they come to us and they're like hey i'm writing a story on you know three shampoos for curly hair and i'll work with them to say hey i have these shampoos that might be a fit and so on so forth so it's kind of a constant cycle of having conversations with the media and bridging the gap between the brands and the media and being that middle person to eventually get those beauty stories or to get, you know, maybe a, a TV ad or, you know, be on the featured on Ellen DeGeneres show. And that's kind of like on the height of it, but you know, there's all these opportunities that um, it, within the media that can get, that can be very valuable for brands. And um, so I, I basically manage that for, for about, we have about 24 brands in, in my agency, but I, I manage it for about nine of them. Mm, wow, that's pretty cool. And like, what is this kind of, like, who, who, who is suitable for this career? Like, what kind of person is best suited for being a beauty publicist? Um, you have to be a relationship person. You have to be <laughs> a very, very good conversationalist. You have to be able to start a conversation with somebody, get excited about something um, and kind of twist the story. So say if you have a, a, a shampoo that is for curly hair, you know, you have to understand the ingredients and how you can twist it and flip it and, and make it adaptable to other people. So you definitely have to be able to think on your feet, but you have to be very extroverted, well able to, you know, stand up in front of a room and start talking, well able to talk to the media, excited and keep their excitement. So I definitely think that's one big part of it. And... Um, and then I suppose the other part would be organization because 
um, you can imagine with social media, TV, radio, you know, digital and then print, you have so many different little projects going on or so many different portions to your job um, that um, you have to be very kind of organized and, and diligent with that kind of stuff to keep it all in sync. Hmm. And what does your day to day look like? Uh, like, what do you do? So when you get into the job and then when you leave, like, what does that time look in between? Um, so typically I would be um, kind of a lot of my work is client um, client management. So my clients would, um, you know, they're obviously one who's, who are paying my wages. So I would kind of manage them and say, you know, making sure that they're all buttoned up on their end and they know that they know what's going on. So a lot of that, a lot of my time goes into um making sure that they understand what we're doing and making sure that they're seeing the results that that we're also doing as well so there's always back conversations every day about hey where are we at on this or hey um do you think that you know the vogue article is going to drop tomorrow or you know hey here's my interview questions if they're if they're you know somebody notable in the media and they're doing an interview i would be assigning calendar invites or kind of organizing that part of it so a lot of it on the back end is is very much client relations and and uh, making sure they're happy for for the service that we're providing for them um, and then the other conversations I'm having are with the media. So I would get an email from Glamour magazine and they would say, um, hey, we're doing um, a travel story on beauty products that you would take, you know, to the beach. And I would say, cool, I have this SPF, I have this, um, you know, moisturizer, aloe vera, whatever it might be. And I would, you know, make sure they understand why the products are so different so that I can secure my client in those stories. I would say, yeah, this is SPF, but this is a different type of SPF. This is an SPF that does X, Y, and Z. And this is why it's it's amazing. And it's probably not like the other SPFs you've tried before. And I'm, I'm kind of, you know, paraphrasing here, but um, you kind of get the idea, I'm sure. But right, yeah, sure. so a lot of it would be um, those kind of conversations with the media um, and securing those placements for my, for my client um, as well. And then I'm kind of doing a little bit of cold kind of emailing being like hey you know this is this just launched today you know here's the information do you want to meet for um a coffee do you want to meet get our nails done or something like that and it's kind of that outreach that proactive outreach being like hey I just I just mailed over three samples of this new serum I'd love you to try it and let me know and kind of that you know being proactive and and trying to build up those relationships and um, and then kind of we w- might have an event happening so we might have a launch party at some rooftop in Manhattan that I would be organizing vendors for um you know managing different budgets for and um getting the right people there and making sure it all, it's all executed well um and or we could have um appointments in the in the media with the media so I would go to the to the media offices and and set up appointments with them and kind of meet one-on-one FaceTime and and talk to them about my products or my clients or anything that's going on that's new and everything else so I'm definitely that middle person between um the brands and and the media to kind of um hopefully make their jobs a little bit easier on both ends but um yeah I think that's pretty sums up a lot of it Oh yeah, definitely. And I'm actually very curious because you mentioned conversations and like you're, it really depends on the conversation you have and the relationships you develop. Has there only been like any, any major failures that occurred throughout your career? Like maybe a conversation didn't go so well with the media or whatever. Does anything come to mind? Um, nothing specific, I suppose. Um, 
and I've I've written some quotes anonymously for various articles just based on this because mm. when you're a beauty publicist and you're working with the media all the time, it's kind of like a mentality of I scratch your back, you'll scratch mine, and vice versa. So it, that can become a little bit tough at times because I'm also managing the client in the background as well. So they're trying to do their job or they're trying to write their story and they're saying, hey, we'd love you to um, submit or in, like we they submit an interview request. So they want to interview my client and my client is could be in Asia. They could be, you know, doing having buyers meetings in on over in California. They could be anywhere in the world. And so I'm going, OK, cool. Let's set up an interview time and that could go haywire for some reason. My client gets a last minute meeting and the editor is like, where the hell are they? And I'm in the middle trying to organize this or the other way around. The editor is like, I can no longer do it. And my client's waiting on somebody to pick up the phone and call them. And so it's kind of that little, that kind of, you know, it's not necessarily failure, but I suppose that's, that can be tough to manage sometimes you know, keeping the media happy, but also keeping the client happy and, and kind of marrying them two together can be quite tough. And um, so I've definitely had some instances where, you know, those kind of interviews don't work out. The editors miss their deadlines and you waste the client's time. Um, but that's kind of part of, of definitely, you know, the whole process. Um, and I suppose sometimes you just can't deliver. Sometimes you, you could be getting a new, you could be working on a very ho- high profile brand and you could be a new launch to come in the door on Monday and the editor is like my story closes on Monday if you can get me this product on Monday I need a sample we need to photograph it the photo shoot is going ahead on Monday if you can't get it to me on Monday that's it and maybe there's a postal delay or something like that and the editor is like you let me down or you know whatever and I can't get the product in time so it's kind of a lot of logistical things that kind of you know, you might work be, be working so hard towards something and one little slip up, you know, you kind of have something going, somebody somebody going, you know, what happened? Like, why didn't you not deliver? So it can be kind of tough, but that goes back to the way that you manage the relationship and the way that you kind of present the information and apologize and to be able to be, um, you know, hopefully understanding with people. So you have to definitely be a people's person. <laughs> mm. And obviously you love your job, but I'm curious to know what's the not so sexy part about what you do? Like what are the perhaps tedious, boring, like something you don't like to do? Like is there anything like that that exists for you? Um, I think, I suppose events would be very, not tedious, but just I don't like them. So when we have events over here, the budgets are quite high. And although I love the the day of the event and being on the floor and chatting with everybody and mm. being super excited about the new launch the lead up to that and the little bits in between so you know the vendors you're relying on vendors you're relying on catering you're relying on you know staffing you're relying on venues and everything else if all of that doesn't come together and it's like trying to pull and um, blood from a stone sometimes trying to get people to work together and to kind of bring it all together on, on the day so that it works seamlessly and it looks effortless can be so tough and something that I kind of definitely need to work on. And, and I don't, I'm like, Oh, my eyes are rolling. You know, it can be, mm. it can be really, really tough because you're managing so much. Um, and I suppose just even again, events on the day, you know, there could be somebody could spill something on the carpet and in the PR world, like appearance is everything. So you can't have, people slumming it you have to treat people like you know like a five-star client so you really have to go above and beyond for these people 
Um, and so you have to provide the best service at all times and you have to put your best foot forward at all times and you have to be in great form at all times. So that can be kind of tough because sometimes it's a little bit pushed or forced um, and sometimes, um, you know, it just, it doesn't always work out. So um, I suppose that would be kind of the part where it's a little bit more tricky. And what about your favorite part? Um, my favorite part is when a client rings me up and says, <laughs> "We just sold. We we just increases our increased our sales by four hundred percent because of the article in the Wall Street Journal." And I'm like, "Yes, like I yeah. did my job well." <laughs> so to ha- to be working on stories and to have that power of getting your client on the Wall Street Journal or getting your client on Vogue.com is huge because it can make such a difference. And not only in that moment or on that day when the article goes live, but I see, I get a lot of insights of my client's website, um, their stats and, and the, the traffic on their websites. And I see a lot of um, stories that could be a year and a half old that still drive that traffic to the, to the site and still convert those sales. So uh, people, people, tease you know they kind of put down the PR industry a lot um, and a lot of it is fluff and I and I totally get that and I'm here for it but you know you can't deny the power and it, the data is there to show the power of what a what a Wall Street Journal article can do and, and what a New York Times article can do so when I see the the data and the facts there and the client is excited that's just you know I just I love that part of it so yeah of course and what would you say are some of the highlights of your career? Like, I, I know you went to the Oscars twice. Is there anything else that comes to mind when when it comes to, like, highlights or cool stuff you've done uh, as part of your career? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think going to the Oscars twice was, was pretty cool. And, you know, I was only 20 at that stage. And I was working, you know, even though being over in L.A. was, was very much a work trip and we worked so hard. It was just even doing the work was very, very surreal. So it kind of just it was it was all like a dream and a blur and being such a big brand was it was definitely a huge, huge highlight of my career. And I remember the day that I booked the tickets to go to the Oscars and I told my parents and my dad was like, you'll be telling your kids this like you this because I was you know you're nervous and you're only 20 and it's like oh my god and my dad was like you'll be telling your children this like you know it's insane and, and he's probably right um, and I suppose I think right now is is one of my career highlights I've kind of broken outside of Ireland and kind of been able to make something of myself here and in terms and, and stayed in the same industry I didn't like I purposely wanted to stay in beauty. I purposely wanted to stay in PR and my next step will still be in this industry. And I think being able to kind of build that momentum um, outside of Ireland has kind of, I think will always stand to me. And it's something that has been really tough, but I'm like really proud of. So I would say kind of looking back over the last three and a half years in New York that I've come so far in terms of beauty and, and PR that um. I definitely have to say I'm I'm quite proud of it because it hasn't been at, at all easy. So, and I'm also curious to know um, how is success evaluated in your profession? Um, it would be evaluated probably by your relationships with the media, um, and how many um kind of media placements that you've been able to. 
leftist, you would say, you know, like, well, we drove X amount of eyeballs last year on this product or we've the, the sales for this product increased by 14 percent over last year or something like that. Um, so it's kind of being able to accumulate all those placements and uh, I suppose working on high profile brands. So the bigger the brand, um, obviously the better. So if you can say that you've worked for um, a MAC Cosmetics or, you know, any any brand in Sephora, um, you can, it's, it's going to be definitely something that people will pick up off your CV for sure. And if you want to succeed as a beauty publicist, what are the key skills that someone should focus on? Focus on your communications. Um, spelling errors and miscommunication in PR does not go down well. <laughs> um, so read books, focus on your grammar, be very, very diligent in that in that in that sense because it, it will stand to you. Um PR is all about getting out there, talking to people, going to every event that you can go to. Um, connecting with so many people so as long as you're constantly you kind of have to PR yourself you have to be out and about you have to be very proactive you have to be engaging with people on social media and and all that so I think that's one of the you definitely have to focus on um, and then I would say just the knowledge of the industry so knowing how what it's like to a maybe work for a bigger brand maybe like a johnson and johnson brand or or going down to working with a ceo on a product that they've launched um themselves and they're kind of doing all the work themselves and being able to understand you know cost prices being able to understand how long it takes to produce something uh product packaging issues with issues with you know product development ingredients are a huge part of my what i do um, and just being able to understand kind of how the product works on the back end, because that really, really helps you position the product in the best way possible or really helps you understand the downfalls that you might necessarily want to focus on something that's like a plastic, you know, say if a company isn't necessarily cruelty free or they haven't got their cruelty free logo. That's kind of something that you don't really want to talk about too much. So you go in with a different angle to to the media so you kind of have to be very knowledgeable about those um those industry standards and those industry commonalities mm. and if you could have one superpower what would that superpower be <laughs> oh my god <laughs> uh what do people say to this question i feel like um well it's a secret <laughs> um what would my superpower be oh can money be a superpower? <laughs> just generate money. Yeah, just money. I'd love money. to have because be, I yeah. don't really want that much of it. I, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I want money to be my superpower. <laughs> okay, money it is. Granted. Uh, next tomorrow you wake up with um money superpower. <laughs> and for a more serious question, uh, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Um, probably back in Ireland by five years um yeah probably back in Ireland I want to um and kind of bring my skill set back to something um and maybe maybe be running my own shop you know um yeah but probably back in Ireland I would I would hope so <laughs> okay and you also have a lot of side stuff going on as opposed to just your your main career uh, so you have the the podcast obviously uh, the blog I'm curious to know, like, what made you launch the Wall Podcast in 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 the first place? Um, I think I didn't get enough 
<laughs> interaction and engagement with on my day to day. I right. wanted more conversations. Like <laughs> I don't know. I must be just like uh, born to talk. But um, yeah, I think I think when I kind of got into PR and I realized like when we had events and on the day of the event, I just love talking to people. I love meeting with my clients face to face. I have no problem going into a room and starting a conversation. Not that I'm cocky or, or in, in that sense, but I just don't feel uncomfortable by talking to people. I don't mm. I feel interested in their stories. I feel, um, you know, very curious about people. And um, I kind of feed off that. So I think the wall podcast was something that I was definitely thinking of doing for a long time. And the, the theme of it, uh, yeah, it's called wall and everything else. And it's about, you know, career and people's personal struggles. But I think there's a lot you can do with it. And I think um, I think people and especially Irish people, which most of my audience is Irish um, are very receptive to stories and they're very receptive to um, journeys and stories and everything else. So I, I just felt like it was a good fit. And um, it's just definitely an out- outlet for me to kind of discover, you know, more parts of the media um, from my perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely. And what have you learned as a result of doing podcasts? What I've learned most about podcasting is probably the commonality in all these success stories and all these people I've in- interviewed has been that they take these these big risks without thinking too much about it. And, you know, I like to think of myself as somebody who prob- will hopefully be successful. And I, I kind of think now that I'm learning about these people, I'm saying, well, you have to take risks. You have to to push yourself and you have to take take chances and 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 you know accept responsibility that there there could be failures on the end of it so I think definitely people who have done well for themselves very fast have taken those chances and have just figured it out um so that's definitely mm-hmm. something I've learned um but also just the, the the consistent like connection with people has been been really really cool and 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 networking and and just kind of making relationships because there's a lot of people that I would interview that I would only meet for the first time and then we 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 do a podcast interview and we're really good friends after that or we stay in touch so it's been it's been really great for that and for for networking and and friendship and relationships yeah of course and you mentioned that you know New York takes a lot of work and you you kind of have to hustle and just really work super hard and how do you manage that and like work-life balance, I guess? Like how, what's the balance there? Um, there isn't really much balance. My personal life goes on the, on just, it's just second, it's second base for me. Uh, I put work as a priority and I just live with that mindset. It takes priority over everything. Um, and the only thing I do try and really carve out time for is just good sleep. So good quality sleep. Um, because I know I won't function well without that. But I cancel nights out. I don't go out with friends as much as my other friends go out with each other. Um, I don't really take too much time to kind of do stuff that's not really productive. So it can be a blessing and a curse. But I love I love to to run. So I do I like to do that and kind of get a lot of tension out or kind of you know relax a little bit. I feel definitely feel very relaxed after running and. And things like that but I don't I don't drink alcohol I haven't drank alcohol in eight years and I kind of you know I'm kind of just focused on on my work when I out in the town to you know release myself at all I kind of just keep the head down and take quiet night in and 
go to sleep early if I need to. But um, there is no there is no work life balance for me. And again, I enjoy what I do. So I get up every day and looking forward to it and looking forward to tackling it, you know. So I, I have to say I'm very fortunate in that sense. No, yeah, I was just curious because um, like I think like right now we're facing a lot of like mental health issues. No, maybe mm. we always did, but maybe just people are more open about it now. And I was just yeah. curious to know like how like how do people deal with that, you know, if they're successful in what they do? Because it's a big issue and I think we should always focus on mental health first and then everything else comes secondary. But yeah, I I mean if you're if you're doing okay with that so, I mean sleep, exercise, yeah, that's that's perfect. That's all you need really yeah i think people like are very quick to you know go down the mental health route but i think if i wasn't in this job mm. um i i don't think career has really much to do to do with mental health i think it's going to be it's it's all the way you're perceiving things so have the it's all how i'm perceiving things you know so i think you have to get that right before you do anything whether you're doing you know your day-to-day nine-to-five job that's very low key or you're living over in New York and you're like you know working every hour of the day it's just you really have to get the basics right so I think people need to take accountability for that as well you know yeah for sure and what books have you often recommended to others or give to others perhaps do any books come to mind? um yeah so um one particular book um and somebody who I kind of follow quite consistently is um, is a, a guy called Edgar Tolle. And uh, he wrote a book, The Power of Now. And I suppose his book, The Power of Now, has, has kind of been thrown into the media and um, people, you know, live in the present moment and all this. But um, I think when I started re- watching Edgar Tolle's YouTube videos, listening to his podcast with Oprah, reading his books, um, has changed everything, the way I think about everything um for sure so I definitely I think if you can get in the mindset of Edgar Tolle I think that you um can do absolutely anything um big or small um that would be one one book that I'll always go back to and I'll always recommend people read um another one I'm trying to think I kind of don't necessarily get because I feel like everyone and their mother is trying to write books about business and things like that. Mm. Um, I would probably say another one I'm trying to get through is The Seat of the Soul by um, Gary uh, Zerkav, I think his name is. Gary, yeah, Gary Zerkav. The Seat of the Soul. and Nothing to do with business. <laughs> and I guess the other question I had for you is, if you could place anything on a billboard, what would that be? So, for example anyone along the street and are just walking along and they look up at the sky and they see this this big giant billboard and what would you place on that billboard it, it may be a message a quote ending at all that you learned over the years um i would say i would write nothing really matters <laughs> and what do you mean um, by that? i just mean that um think that things matter and they don't I think people think that your the your social scene that you're in matters your you know I think your only the only thing that matters is your heart and and your intentions with you know your everyday intentions with people um so I think people like I just don't think anything really matters I don't think careers matter I don't I think we're all just going to die anyway so 
um, might as well just have a crack like while you're here. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, and that, that, that's been one thing that's kind of helped me kind of navigate when I'm really scared or, or nervous about things. I kind of go, it doesn't really matter. Like nobody doesn't really matter. Um, and like you have to just go for it while you're here and on earth and everyone's going to die and everyone's going to go down the same way. And I think if you're good to people, you're good to yourself, you love hard. I think that's, that's the only thing that's going to be, that's going to be truly rewarding to you and everything else is just, it's all a game personally. I think it's all a game. So, um, yeah, that's the way I look at things. Well, yeah, I agree with that so much because I remember when I was younger, I used to be so afraid of doing ending, to be honest. It was all about like, yeah. oh, this person's going to think this about me or this person's going to think that and that and that. But then you realize, you know, like we're only here for less than 100 years. Well, maybe at this stage longer, mm-hmm. but um, the universe is just expanding. We're just a small rock in the universe and like nobody really gives a fuck about what you do. Yeah. Like, you might as well just do whatever you want to do. So I think that yeah, I think that's so right. Uh, such a good yeah. message. Yeah, for sure. It kind of helps you make decisions. You kind of just go, well, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and let's just say you could have dinner with three people. Now, they may be alive or dead. Who would those people be? Um, It would be Oprah, uh, my granddad, and Hugh Hefner. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm not sure that my granddad would get on very well with Hugh Hefner, but <laughs> that's an interesting list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just I I love Oprah because she's Oprah and she's she's uh she has a great perspective on the world. Obviously, my granddad. I'd love to spend more time with him. And then I just think that Hugh Hefner, um, although people mightn't agree with what he did or or, or the way that he kind of changed the the media industry, I think that he still went to do went on to do something that he believed in and he wanted and he enjoyed and um there will he nobody's ever done it and nobody will ever do it people will try and emulate what he did um and the way that he lived his life um so i think uh i just think that's that is and not specifically you know playboy or anything like that but just his his mindset and um his tenacity and confidence to be able to choose a life that was just people only dream of is and make it happen uh, from scratch uh, to me I think is is huge and he has put a big massive footprint on the industry and I think he's changed the media industry um you know forever so really really think that he's a cool story and what was I going to say uh, what would you say is your definition of chasing passion um I think chasing passion is trying to make a living out of something that you just love to do anyway so you know in my case I suppose it's relationships and and networking and and beauty but I think in other people's cases it might be you know architecture or music or um you know and and with the internet there's just endless possibilities to how you can make money out of your passion you know even video editing and things like that so um, yeah, I think chasing passion is just making, being able to make a living out of out of loving what you do. Just let's imagine you like you have the ability to go back to age one, 
and all your memories from this life is is completely wiped all the lessons you've learned all the books you've read all the projects you've worked on all your memories is completely wiped but you get to keep three things uh, with you what are those okay. three things for you um three lessons specifically yeah three lessons yeah three lessons okay three truths, i think that you believe is just true and it'll be it'll be so helpful to have those lessons when you're age one <laughs> um yeah i think um i think i can the the kind of lesson i've learned that you can kind of you don't have to be the most talented or you know the most the most you know wealthy person that you can you can persist and, and do things and get on in what you want to do um just by by being brave enough to reach out and, and grab it so i think that that's been you know, I've always thought, well, I'm not as talented as they are. I don't, I mightn't have it in me to do that. Or, you know, I shouldn't be in this field or whatever. So I think that would be one thing. Um, what else? I think do it. To, I think the lesson of, of actually just accepting to do what you like to do. So, you know, I would have, I, I spent a lot of my time not really enjoying my downtime and I say that in quotes because like I'd be going out with friends and they'd be you know drinking or whatever mm. and I just couldn't understand why that wasn't for me and like you know never really found anything that I was specifically um enjoying except music and so I think now that I'm nearly I'm 28 now and I'm like I need to fill my time it's very important to fill your time with things that you love I love to run I love to keep fit and healthy I love music I love conversations with people and relationships and I think if I had known that from 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 very young age of just kind of just do it or to be able to know that that those are the things that I love to do because they bring me so much joy rather than spending all these years like trying out all these different things to try to find fulfillment (laughs) um uh what else Uh, yeah I have to go back nothing matters except my family <laughs> and to just like let it all go to let it all go and that's probably it yeah thank you for that um i think it's an excellent opportunity to finish up the podcast but before we do um is there anything else you'd like to say mention ending it all um no except um anybody who's listening i hope that you've enjoyed it and that you can potentially follow me or listen to one of my podcasts as well <laughs> I'm, I'm a publicist i have to get the plug in there <laughs> <laughs> well stephanie it was yeah, a pleasure no. talking to you i really enjoyed the conversation and yeah thank you so much for coming on thank you so much and i just again i want to say that it, it, you've you've done so many um interesting stories seeing more episodes come down the line and um and well done and thank you so much thanks so much Thank you so much for listening to the episode and I really hope you enjoyed it. You can find all the show notes on the website chasingpassion.ie. That is chasingpassion.ie. If you're looking to support the podcast in any way, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a short review on Apple Podcast, and this would literally take about 60 seconds and it will help the podcast grow in so many ways. You can find the link to Apple Podcast in the episode description or just simply search Chasing Passion on Apple Podcast and it should pop right up. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. It means the world to me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, just thank you so much. And have a great day.